Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Patrick Smith, and you join me after Liverpool's slump to a defeat on the South Coast as they lose 1-0 away at Bournemouth. Philip Billing opened the scoring for the hosts, and after Mohamed Salah missed the penalty, Liverpool didn't really look like scoring, as they now have only won three matches away from home all season. A frustrating day, but let's dissect what went wrong for the Reds, and to do that, we've got some brilliant reaction for you. We've got the Liverpool Echoes, Paul Gould from the press box at the Vitality Stadium, Jürgen Klopp's press conference, and then plenty of fan reaction. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. After a historic 7-0 win against Manchester United last Sunday, uh, Liverpool, six days later, are beaten by uh, lowly Bournemouth. Um, a defeat which um, many will say they have seen coming, but uh, one that... Many certainly didn't when uh, the final was blew at Old Trafford uh, Anfield last week. Um, Philip Billing's goal is enough to uh, give the uh, Cherries the victory, a famous victory, of course, in their efforts to stay in the Premier League itself. But it's one that just keeps uh, more questions on uh, Liverpool squad as a whole. It's uh, the eighth defeat of the campaign, and I think the most difficult thing about that statistic is the identity of some of the teams who've beaten Liverpool this season. Teams who uh, Liverpool typically go toe to toe with at the top end of the Premier League. Uh, they've been beaten by the likes of Nottingham Forest, by Brentford, by Brighton, um, by Leeds United, and uh, today, of course, by uh, Bournemouth. It's, um, I mean, where does it rank in terms of the, uh, the, the lowly, the spirit and defeats that Liverpool have endured in 2023 alone? I think probably the low point was uh, at Wolves a few weeks back. Um, Brentford certainly had a case to be that as the defeat against Brighton as well but this one probably ranks somewhere near the top given that um, they're a team who was so uh, threatened by relegation a team who uh, you know, was so bad for, uh, for Everton the moment they actually wanted Liverpool to win today it gave you a little bit of an idea of how uh, struggling Bournemouth have been this season but um, no they were fully deserving of the win in all honesty Philip Billings going as I say in the uh, first half Liverpool uh, never really looked like scoring as the game wore on um, the, uh, they looked less likely to score in all honesty Klopp started pretty much with the same 11 that beat United last week uh, Stephen Pacetis came in for Jordan Henderson but other than that it's the same players uh, same front three Cody Gakpo Darwin Nunez and Mohamed Salah uh, Gakpo scored in the first half but was offside that was probably about as close as Liverpool came aside from Vincent van Dijk uh, heading one wide in the first half he probably should have scored but other than that, you're struggling to name too many guilt-edged chances apart from the penalty that Liverpool missed. Uh, Mohamed Salah with a, uh, Liverpool's first penalty in the Premier League for uh, 11 months um, after Diogo Jota's header was handled by uh, Adam Smith. But uh, Salah, uh, surprisingly for him, he put the penalty wide and uh, from that moment it looked like Liverpool weren't going to get anything from the game. And so it's transpired. Uh, club sent on Roberto Firmino, brought on Jota the half-time. Um, he went to a bit of a 4-2-3-1. 
fourth frontman on the pitch in Salah, Gakpo, uh, Jota and uh, Firmino, but Liverpool, uh, as I say, never really looked like scoring for all the firepower that they had on the pitch. They didn't create any real chances, um, and that will uh, rank up with the aim as well. Um, the big thing now is how, um, how damaging it could be going to Real Madrid on Wednesday night. Of course, Liverpool need to turn around the fire to the feet from the first leg at Anfield, and uh, if they can't beat Bournemouth, then uh, we'll hope if they don't have beaten Real Madrid. It uh, sounds quite simplistic when you put it that way, but uh, you know, Liverpool have been awful on the road all season. There's three away wins, I believe, um, in the Premier League this season. And they're going to have to go to one of the cathedrals of Wales football and record a historic win. So maybe that could be Liverpool's last Champions League game for quite a while. But uh, they're still fighting for the top four, of course. This was a chance to move into the top four of only Tavarella, even if one they spend. And to be fair, they didn't deserve anything from the game. So full credit to Bournemouth. They recorded a massive win in their aims of staying in the Premier League. But for Liverpool, uh, it just raises more questions than answers. At a time when it looked like they had really turned the corner, finished here at the Vitality. Bournemouth 1, Liverpool 0. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am, I am very. Uh, the game was pretty much the opposite of what we wanted to show and to do today. Um, so I think we played for pretty much 95 minutes the game Bournemouth wanted to play, and I can a few minutes, maybe in few moments, we did the stuff we wanted to do actually. In the first half, I think our two or three best moments were similar, finding the half space, going from, from there behind the last line, scored a goal which was disallowed for offside, but was anyway a good situation, well played, had other situations in a similar manner, had big chances after set pieces, which we didn't use like, I don't know, how do you say it, no-brainers or whatever, where we have to score, um, but don't. But in the, in the one situation, oh, that was not the only situation Bournemouth had, but um, there was one of the situations Bournemouth had um, with going behind our last line, um, finding the half spaces there, um, and we didn't cover each other good enough in these moments. Um, and for the one time, um, Ali couldn't save us then. I didn't see it yet how, how the ball went over the line. It was players in between me and the situation, so I couldn't see that. Um, being one nil down, yeah, full 45-50 minutes time to 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 sort it. Thought we started okay in the second half, a um, uh, uh, bit more, bit clearer in, in our situations. Um, get a penalty, miss the penalty, and now it's of course hypothetical. But it looked a little bit for me like if we if we score there, the game does make the game better from the first half, but. Would give us uh, uh, a proper boost, um, but we didn't score from that. And um, and then you could see we were a bit in a rush, didn't create enough. Really counter-attacking moments. Bournemouth fought 
massive, with a really big passion and won these balls. And then the boys showed, both boys showed really their, their, their quality, how they kept the ball. We couldn't defend them in the first place, so we had to track back and defend them there. Can't remember maybe one big chance for them, but um, or, or a big finish. The rest we defended, but it's still pretty exhausting. And then you have a long way back into their box, and so. Um, we lost the game and um, very, very, very frustrating. Yeah. Jürgen, you had obviously a number of setbacks this season. Is this, <laughs> is this one more frustrating because you hit such heights last weekend that it felt like you had really turned the corner? Oh, setbacks are setbacks. Huh? So, um, but we are in the situation we are because of the setbacks. That's how it is. And we are in the situation we are because of the, the good performances as well. So uh, we didn't have only setbacks, but we had too many. That's clear. Today was a proper one, no doubt about that. Um, yeah, now we have to deal with it. We will deal with it. It's one things we learned in this season to deal with setbacks, but um, then uh, we have to make sure we, we recover properly because on Wednesday we have obviously a big game as well. Then we have the international break. I hope that everybody comes back healthy, and then we have the the football week. Um, of all football weeks, opponent-wise. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to go for. But today is not. It's now not the moment for me to to talk about that. This game was a massive knock. Yeah, and how it is with knocks. You have to take them, and then you have to have a look how big the scars are, and then you go from there. That was your first uh, penalty of the season in the Premier League. <laughs> um, is that a factor in the miss? Do you think or not? Oh, no, I, 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 yeah. I think we should have had more penalties, but I cannot, I cannot tell you now when exactly. But there were mo a lot of situations. Well, today again, it's not important. So well, the situation where Mo Salah is fouled and doesn't get even a free kick. So this, uh, we can, you can do obviously everything with Mo on the pitch, like holding and stuff like this, and he doesn't get. But that's nothing to do with the result. It's just you ask me about the penalty. So we got a penalty, we missed it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. They help if you if you deserve them. We still a team who is pretty dominant usually. Uh, we, we are quite a lot in the opposition box. It was a, a strange thing that we didn't have one, but now we had one and and missed it. So end of that story. Jürgen, how concerned are you with the away record this season? Yeah, uh, concerned. Yeah, I see it. I see it. So I think with the home games we are we are top four if I'm right. Uh, with away games, uh, we are not even in Europe. So yeah, there are. There's always a reason for the situation you are in, and our away record is for sure. We could have had more points at home as well, but um, or maybe should have. But um, yeah, away definitely, definitely. So uh, there was a big strength of us in the last years. We never made a real difference between. But that's how it is when you are successful. When things, when you do the things consistently in the right way. We have a good with the quality we have. We have a good chance to to win away or get away results as well. Um, this is not often enough. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a clear point to be honest. Yeah. Can, I, can I just ask a, a completely separate question? It's been in the news the last couple of days about Gary Lineker and the match today in the BBC situation. Jordan Henson during the pandemic was very well spoken about uh, supporting the NHS. He rallied around with the captains as well, and obviously we've seen that the players are now not talking to, haven't 
I'm talking to BBC today and this weekend. I just wondered what your thoughts were around that deci decision by BBC to step down Gary Lineker. So, they asked him to step down for the things he said. So my problem in the situation is, not, is, is two things. How I understand it, I cannot, but I'm not native, but I cannot see any reason why I would ask somebody to step back for saying that. I, I can't, but that, I'm not sure if that's a language issue or not, but I can, I can find it. Um, but that's the world we are living in. Everybody wants to, is so concerned about doing the things in the right manner, saying the right stuff to everybody, doing that. If you don't do that, then you create a shitstorm, which we didn't have when we were young. So uh, these kind of things, it's a really difficult world to live in, meanwhile. Um, but when I, if I understand it right, then this is about, so as a message, an opinion about human rights, and that should be possible to say. But I don't, what I don't understand is why everybody goes on Twitter and, 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 and says something. Like if if he, somebody asks him about opinion and he could have said the opinion, but you don't need... I, I don't understand the social media part of it, but that's probably... I'm too old for that. So, apart from that, no. Um, if I got it right, there's no reason for me. Had you been asked to do a, a BBC interview today, would you have done one or not? I'm not so much in the situation, to be honest. So I, did I, I didn't do a BBC interview, did I? No. So. They didn't request. So it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not about me now to showing the BBC. It's not that the guy with the BBC, Mike, today is obviously the, the, the bad person. I don't know. I heard about the rules of BBC that you don't. It's not allowed to have these kind of opinions. How is that a difficult world to live in? to fulfill all the expectations and, and the rules, and especially in public. So, um, yeah, but uh, I can't say more about it, sorry. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Hello, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. That was entirely uninspiring and indeed unsurprising that this season's Liverpool Football Club would follow up the ravenous gorging of the scorched carcass of Manchester United with the most vanilla of performances against lowly cupcakes AFC Bournemouth. What makes it hurt a little bit more is that we only have our profligacy to blame. It's always tougher than my auntie's steak dinners to break down low-block teams, but the challenge is hugely compounded when your players keep missing sitters. Despite our big chances, we lacked creativity as well in open play. We lacked the zip and the verve and the daring do. And once again, we have suffered defeat against a poor team without having made them suffer too badly for it. Bravo to Bournemouth, though. Chapeau. Hats off. That must be said. Watara is another player from Liga with gem-like qualities, and their shape certainly de denied us space. That said, 
I would have loved us, loved us to be a bit more creative today. Try something. Flicks, tricks, one-twos, a well-timed dribble. Just something different to shake up the game a little bit. Perhaps our players were lacking the laser focus needed due to the fact that we are playing Real Madrid midweek. Or maybe they just really want to bid a final farewell to that comedy club, Everton. Who knows? But this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Defeated. Resigned to it. Still a bit annoyed by it. But asking this team to once more show their wild inconsistency midweek and thump those blankers to kingdom come. You never know. Well, another dreadful performance to add to what's getting a pretty big collection this season for Liverpool. And I mentioned in the podcast after the Manchester United game that it would not surprise me if Liverpool were not to win at Bournemouth. And so it played out. And the performance was absolutely terrible. And the thing is, it's it's difficult actually, and I mentioned this again, I've mentioned this multiple times, but it's difficult to actually mention how many games this season that Liverpool have actually played well in, that they've been the dominant side in, that you've actually took enjoyment from watching the team in. And this was just a another one to add to all the, well, the majority of the away performances, to be honest, this season, in that Liverpool were not the dominant force, if you were coming down from a space shuttle and you were asked which team was the team at the bottom of the league and which team was vying for the top four, you wouldn't have had any inkling as to which team was which. And I think that's the biggest problem that Liverpool have got. If you are an average team, which I've stated Liverpool are this season, not just in terms of performances, but also in terms of results as well, then you don't dominate games. You do have... Results that are inconsistent, you're not able to territorially dominate, you're not able to create chances or have the better of the chances, and that's normally reflected in your goal difference, which bar Manchester United and Bournemouth early in the season is pretty much on par in terms of goals conceded and goals scored, and also in your performance in terms of the expected goal tallies, both for and against, when you amalgamate them together, you normally get the position where the team should be. And that reflects about where Liverpool are at this moment in time, in that they should be vying for the you know the sixth, seventh, fifth places in the in the Premier League. And considering where Liverpool have, have previously came from in previous seasons, that's just a massive a massive drop off when you consider that Liverpool have consistently been the second best team in the Premier League in terms of the numbers. And today again, I mean, it's the same pattern that garners results against Liverpool consistently, and it doesn't change. In that a side drop deep when they can't pressurise early in Liverpool's build-up, at times allowing Liverpool to have the ball in deeper areas, condensing their final third with bodies in close proximity and the units of the team very compacted and asking Liverpool to break them down. And then within periods of games where the opposition are then able to pressurise Liverpool higher, disturb Liverpool's build-up in the, no- in the, no- in the knowing, sorry, that Liverpool are going to hand them the ball and they're going to create opportunities within the game which is going to allow them to then take a lead, potentially hold the lead and then ask Liverpool to break them down while sitting in a deeper shape. And it's just a consistent consistent pattern that emerges when you watch them play. And I think 
the first 20 minutes, for example, Liverpool were getting some joy and they were getting some joy because Bournemouth was sitting quite deep, almost sucking into a back five and then allowing Liverpool little spaces in, in between in which to play and them in them little areas in which Harvey Elliott excels as Liverpool's best player, the ability to sort of connect that midfield to attack and Liverpool got in some pretty decent areas early on. But after Bournemouth solved that issue with the distances between the units and the bodies within midfield being smaller... Liverpool then didn't have that space to operate in and found it really, really difficult because in the second half especially, Liverpool decided to take off Harvey Elliott. Now, Harvey Elliott for me is a very, very talented player. There's no question for his age. And he is also the player within Liverpool's squad alongside Trent Alexander-Arnold who is capable of finding a forward pass quicker than the rest of the team within them deeper areas or within that midfield section area. And by taking him off, what Liverpool did was they, they flipped the system and went to almost a, a flat two in midfielder by Cetic and Fabinho. And then, obviously, the front four, who, despite Gakpo's conversion, I would say, in recent weeks to be able to accept the ball in deeper areas, these four players are still very vertical players in Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunes, Mohamed Salah, and, of course, Gakpo. And what that created for me in the second half was a divide between too many players who wanted to play on the highest line of the pitch and no connectivity between that midfield to attack. Liverpool were never never capable of getting in any half spaces to be able to create chances in that final third. Now, bear in mind that was difficult because Bournemouth sat in a, in a, in a deeper shape. And that's where these players are so valuable because they're the kind of players who can operate between bodies, accept the ball from pressure from multiple sides and be able to move it on with limited time and space. And Liverpool did not have that, especially in the second half. So there was a, a massive disconnect between when Liverpool were building up, hitting the final line of the pitch, and then no craft or creativity in between. And as I've mentioned before, this has been an issue for Liverpool all season. And whilst Harvey Elliott is not the finished article by any means, and sometimes can't, I mean, that's the, the final part of his game in terms of the final pass that he maybe hasn't got at this moment in time, what he does do is he can take up positions and receive the ball in them areas to be able to be that connecting player. And whether he's the finished article or not, he's Liverpool's best player at that at this moment in time. And I could not understand the substitution whatsoever. Especially when you're then asking, say, Gakpo to play as a 10, which is an even deeper position than an nine and a half that he would normally play. So taking into the fact that he's being converted into that role, yeah, it's just that I didn't understand that whatsoever. And I thought, I thought it caused Liverpool massive problems in the second half in being able to create chances or create opportunities. And so it played out because, I mean, Bournemouth deserved to win that game. There's no question maximising the, the the quality they've got the, at their disposal and tactically playing in a manner which allowed them to, to negate Liverpool and create one or two opportunities which eventually won them the game. Obviously, tripping and sent Alexander-Arnold off, which has been a commonplace this season. I never understand it, despite if he's having, you know, having to chase back towards his goal and goal defending transition. Alongside Elliot, he's the one player within the build-up who is able to find that pass, able to find the moving targets, especially when Liverpool are chasing a game and potentially, pardon me, facing a team who are sitting deeper in their shape. And again, I just do not understand that substitution because whenever he's on the field of play, whether he's playing well, whether his, you know, his pass is always finding the intended targets, he has that ability. And unfortunately, the rest, or the majority of Liverpool's other players who play in them deeper positions just simply don't have that. I mean, I even think a lot of the time when Liverpool are playing against teams who sit that deep, one of the changes may be Simakas for Robertson. 
because Simakas is a better footballer, he's a better technical footballer, and he has more variety in the way he can open up defences and a better technique when he gets into some of the areas that Robertson does. And for me, it, it it just you've got to have when you're playing against a deeper team, technical the best technical players within your side to be able to get on the ball as many times as possible to be able to find openings because they're going to be few and far between. A team have the lead, they have the advantage. There's no reason for them then to expand the game even further. And I just thought it was the wrong choice of personnel in that second half. And I've seen it too many times this season. I, I, no one's a bigger fan than Klopp than me. And who am I to criticise Klopp? But some of the substitutions and some of the in-game changes this season have been really puzzling to me in what he is trying to achieve. And it was almost as if, well, let's just get the the biggest contributors of the final action, i.e. scoring goals on the field for the second half, when the reality was something different was needed than that. A connector was needed in there. So very disappointing. It does not surprise me whatsoever, however, because... This is Liverpool. Liverpool are an average team. And average teams find ways to get average results and find ways to, to not be able to put consistent runs together. And that's what's going to cost Liverpool because, as I mentioned after the Manchester United game, one of the, the fortunes for Liverpool is the teams they're chasing down or the one or two teams they're chasing down aren't great sides. But the difficulty is Liverpool have shown nothing this season to suggest they're a, great, a good side. And... If they haven't put together a string of results all season, why would they now? And Manchester United, as good as it was, as I said after the podcast, played into Liverpool's hands. Any team who want to try and play out from the back, under pressure, against Liverpool, not mix up the variation of the build-up, Liverpool are able to steal the ball and still, regardless of if they're the coordinated Liverpool of the past, still have dangerous players to be able to hear you when the game turns into chaos, when the game moves into transition. The game was never in transition today. Liverpool were forced to break down the opponents and we've seen the limitations of Liverpool's squad. And it's resulted in, again, a defeat. And every time Liverpool get into a position where they can potentially redeem their season, they're not able to because they simply don't have the quality either on the field of play or with the decisions coming from the dugouts at the moment. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.